Oh, uh, hello. Uh, I'd like to welcome everyone to the Non-League Podcast. We are still here. It's episode 121. This is uh, Kristen Smith sitting here in a, an absolutely freezing, but looking very pretty, uh, Warsaw. And just up the... Uh... I was going to say just up the road, up the, the M4, but James hasn't joined us yet. Uh, it's me, Rob Overfield. Having enjoyed a very nice New Year and Christmas, he's just applying himself to a, a, rather, a rather simple cheese board this evening while we record, so I don't worry too much. Yeah, it, it does. It's, according to Google, it's been three weeks since we last recorded. I'm sure it's longer than that. Um, it feels longer than that. It feels like a long time since we uh, last had our little conversation, but... Holidays, Christmas, New Year, it's busy from yourself, who's doing stuff mm. for football. It was busy for me from work. Uh, I'm just trying to look here. That, yeah, the 12th. Uh, I reckon it's four weeks from we last recorded. Well, uh, it certainly has not seemed like it anyway. But, um, but it seems... It's it, there's been a lot of... Not really been a great amount of news in that time. Ipswich town being held by Lincoln City, or or sorry, having to come from behind against Lincoln City to earn a draw in the uh, FA Cup. I suppose that's mm. not too bad. I suppose mm. that's um that's as good result as that. I mean, it's not that long ago that you would have fancied that as a league match. So something now well, when we're talking of Lincoln City has been a non-league team. Although they are top of the uh, mm. National League, so it's not not all bad for them. Uh, no. I'm just going through. I've been completely out of it. I was out of the country for a bit. <laughs> and now that was just... Uh, yes, I'm, I'm still out, of really the, out of the country, seeing the world. Yeah, seeing the opposite <laughs> side of the world. That's the, uh, the thing for me. So how did Hampton fare in the uh, con- fixture congestion that is known as uh, the uh, Christmas period? Uh, f- fixture congestion? Huh. We had one on Boxing Day, one New Year's Day, and that was it. Um, Hemel Hempstead Town um, went to uh, Vauxhall World Hemel, uh, ended up coming away with a, a rather unfortunate you know, 1-0 defeat. Um, really, the scoreline didn't reflect the game. Then in the return match on New Year's Day, um, it uh, ended up uh, 3-3, which was um, not the result that Hampton wanted. They they held they were, they were holding the points until very late on, and uh, unfortunately conceded a late equaliser to give Hemel a point that, in many respects, um, possibly might not have been deserved. Not not a lot of things are deserved around this time of year um, with with the games, but looking at uh, the stuff that... Um, just quick note for Trinity. Well, hovering above relegation, they have opened up a little bit of a gap now. And mm-hmm. We've got a game in hand over Bradford Park Avenue, who are in uh, 20th. Trinity in the 19th. We've got 25 points, and Bradford Park Avenue got 22 I think Alti are going to do the infamous double drop because they're only on eight points. After being, this, uh, being at this stage of the season, been, yeah, being at this stage of the season, only having eight points on the board is not looking good. You know, they really will have to do something unless, and if they don't, well, who knows where they will end up? Um, probably uh, in the uh, Northern Premier League. Uh, Ooh. Premier Division. It's been, it'll have been a lot. It'll have been a long time since Altrincham were in that league. <laughs> I have no idea what the, what it would be. Somebody will sure tell us. Well, I'll I'll, I'll have a look. James has just a uh, message to say that he's uh, going to be uh, on very very shortly. Mm. But yeah, I'm I'm just a bit uh, surprised by Alty. It's always been. It's always been something that they've always been a club that founded in 1891. Uh, this, but according to the Fountain of Wikipedia, but yeah, they are a double drop uh, candidate for me. Uh, Trinity actually won at the weekend against Altrincham, and it's our first double of the season. Yeah. So we we didn't have a great Christmas period. We went down to Bosman and we drew one all down there. And then at Trinity, we lost 2-1. 
so yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a great uh, a great no. time, but uh, there's been a, a couple of results recently that I think have been quite astounding. Like Halifax have had a great start to the new year. So on mm-hmm. New Year's Day, Halifax lost to Staley Bridge. So Staley Bridge were second bottom on thirteen points, so they're very very close to that relegation point yeah. as well. They beat Halifax, who are currently in eighth. I um, can't remember what they were on 7th of January. But since then, Halifax have uh, turned things around a little bit. They've, they've beat Chorley, who are sitting in third. Oh. Absolutely annihilated Tamworth at Tamworth uh, on Saturday, 6 2. Mm. So uh, I'm not sure exactly what's uh, happening with that, but. Something interesting, uh, as far as the there's definitely something interesting happening there, and um, perhaps the um, well, perhaps the Halifax management can share to the rest of the league what it is at the end of the season, of course, because we <laughs> case of, uh, we don't want to nick the secret now, do we? Well, then I it would it would be useful to to nick the secret. Mm-hmm. Let's go around, but you did actually post a couple of stories. Uh, let's see if I can find them. They're on this one. One was about Paul Town Ooh, yes. with a threat of demotion going on. I have I have put together a, a, a two two point rundown from what you gave me. <laughs> yeah, um, story came out a few a week or two back. Um, Paul Town in the National League South. Um, are in danger of being sent back into the Southern League um, due to that infamous thing that comes along this time of year, ground grading issues. Um, and they need quite a substantial sum of money to actually bring the ground up to standard. And um, if they manage to do that, then the performance this season will just account for nothing. I think it's something about 50,000 they've got to find if memory serves 70 according to the article 70, the 70. daily daily echo it's um it's a big sum for a club their size to find and i mean they've done very well to get into the conference south as i still call it given that uh, it wasn't that long ago since they were effectively homeless because <laughs> the original the original ground um at the end of losing it had think it might have been council owned i'm not sure and they've ended up uh, having to start afresh and develop the ground you know basically which is not the it's, it's not really what any club wants to be doing to have to build the ground from scratch but they've now reached the point where that if they don't if they don't manage to find that seventy thousand between now I think it's the end of March, and get the work done in that time. That they are going to end up going back to the back to the Southern League, and it would be a shame, really, um, because you know that area needs it needs another club. Because if you think about it, Bournemouth are in that area. You've got a bit further along the coast. You've got you know got the other clubs around Portsmouth, and to be honest. You know, it'd really be a real shame if Town couldn't actually get the ground. And one of the stories that came up over the weekend is one of the former players, um, a chap by the name of Charlie Austin. I think it was, was it Charlie Austin? I think it was. <laughs> I think it was. <laughs> uh, they say the memory's the first thing to go. Um, has offered for the match, for one of the matches at Southampton, um, the use of an ex- Owners of Town to try um, some investment through entertaining outside investment, uh, and um, which is just a great gesture. I think he might even have chucked in a few quid himself. After all, he is worth a bob or two. Good evening, James. Hello, James. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, guys. Can you hear me? Yes. You, yes. Yes, good. Because I thought my headset was playing up then. How are we doing? Sorry, I'm a bit late. No, it's okay. Uh, it's, we 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 just decided to uh, get started and realised there wasn't too much to talk about, so we were hoping you were going to make it. Uh, because yeah, what, what we just, you were talking about pool, were you? 
Well, we're talking yes. about a pool, and there's seventy thousand pounds we've got to find to make that uh, ground grading, which I know is a little bugbear of ours on on the uh, podcast. Yeah, but um, by the end, of- I mean, I, I haven't obviously. I wasn't here at the start, so I don't know what you guys have said about it. But my two pennies on this is why leave it till now just to say that they need the money. They, they'd known there was a March 31st deadline, so why are they now pleading poverty? If you can't afford to do your ground up, don't go, don't take the promotion. <laughs> it's, it's not difficult. I thought Pool Town had money anyway. No, it's good. Well, I think everybody thought they had money, but uh, when they've got to find 70,000, I think it was a case of they did have some investment lined up, I may be wrong, and it's just all of a sudden found out that it isn't there. And you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's a difficult thing to have to try and do because it's, you know, it's basically they built the ground from almost from scratch. So I suppose they've surprised themselves by how successful they've been. Yeah, that, that's, that's fair enough. I under, and I understand all that. And I mean, yes, as you say, Christian, ground grading is a massive bugbear. I mean, my main problem is, you know, it was good enough for them to play in, in the National South this season. So why is it, you know... When they're obviously mm. it's not up to scratch, and I know it's not just pool. That's just in general how it is. Mm. You can go up, and I know it's. A, I suppose it's to um, if you do get go up quicker than you expected. But mm. you know why now wait until January before you suddenly say, "Oh, please help us. We need money." You know, you knew this was coming. If you if it was mm. going to be a problem, you knew you didn't have the money there at the start of the season. This isn't just a black hole that they've suddenly realised. Don't take the promotion. No one's forcing them to go up. Mm. You know, they've done it. It's going to because it happened. It's it happened last season as well. I can't remember which club. Probably more than one, to be fair. Um, it's going to it's going to get to the point where they're going to have to they're going to have to apply for a promotion, like you do a little bit further down at step five and that to get into the uh, the Ryman mm, mm. South and North. And you know, they, yeah. they're going to end up having to do that to get into the Conference South and North because yeah, you just can't you just you can't go like this. I mean. It, Every year it happens. It's, 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 it's similar to me in my book to um, budgets getting cut because you got knocked out of the cup in the first round. It's, it's the same sort of... It's, it seems to me, it seems like bad financial planning. I know one of the things that is always given is, you know, the, the leagues and the FA you know, allow the promotion on the understanding that the ground will be... You know, brought up to standard by this March thirty first deadline. Yeah, absolutely. If you get a season's grace, because as mm. I said, because yeah. you might come up quicker than you expected. And mm. to be fair, it, it's there for a reason. But mm. you know, but the clubs know it's there. Mm. They know that they have to raise that money, however much it is for each individual club. And if they're not going to be able to raise that money, you can't you can't take the promotion. It's it's not fair. But I think we've got. I think the the thing for me is that reading through this article, like say on the Daily Echo, they've got form because three years ago they pulled off a quarter of a million pound project just to stay in the Southern League. Oh. So, I mean, it, I mean, it's if they have look, form in this area. I mean, if you look back on the history of Pool Town, it's not that like it's about twenty years ago when the Pool Stadium, which they played him, in, in basically got I think pulled out from under their feet. And they had to drop down a few levels and had to basically develop what was in essence a school playing field. And looking at the photos now, it's not that far further on from what it was then. So I think they've, again, advanced too quickly. And I think it's a measure of pride now that says, you know, we've we've earned this. We're going to go for it no matter what. And I can understand that. You know, you've got your club and it's it's getting promoted to a height that it's never been before. You look at the point chance of playing in the the Conference South and you've, it's the first time your club's ever been anywhere near it. Do you want to stand up and tell the fans, well, we can't make the ground gradient so we're not going to take it? What board is going to survive more than a couple of months after that having had to face the fans saying that? Yeah... I- yeah, absolutely. I totally agree there, Rob. But, mm. you know, Pool are having a decent season. Mm-hmm. And they're basically, they're a few weeks away from being relegated. Yeah. Even though, even though they're on course for the playoffs. <laughs> so, 
or you know, challenging for them anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're uh, they're not a bad team at Pool Town, and uh, from what I've seen of them, they they deserve place to where they are in the table. They deserve to be in that, you know, in the in the top ten. But you know, it comes back down to it again. Does a club develop the ground, or do they look to invest in the playing side? That's the thing. It's a fine balancing act, and you know, most, is, yeah. Club, yeah, most clubs, one way or the other, manage to just about make it work. But there's always one or two clubs. I mean, you know, White Ox, another one. That's my big bugbear. You know, <laughs> you know, it's getting, mm. so it's a case of. Yeah, it's it, it's a tricky one. I mean, clubs have got to learn, got to balance their books, and I must I think Paul Town have done that, but they've just not been able to get the investment in quick enough to get the development through to meet the deadline. So as a consequence, they're now going to be, you know, panicking and chasing and trying to get anything they can just to get the work done by the end of March. Because the other issue they have is that they've only got eight years left on their ground uh, lease at the moment, which is why they can't apply for uh, football foundation funding. Yeah. So that in itself is that maybe re- they should start thinking, oh, thinking about renegotiating the lease now because that could potentially get them 50 or 60,000 pounds like last time. Yeah, and getting that amount, they could do that. That would cover. That would have covered most of the um, improvements they want to make or have to make. This, and they wouldn't have to rely on the um, on the benevolent fans who are willing to uh, put their hand in pockets to do so. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's a tricky one. Perhaps a little bit of foresight would have been better for Paul Town to say, okay, you know, let's let's okay, we've got that that would down to eight, eight nine years let's do something about it now and um you know for me that should have been something they should have perhaps been discussing if they haven't already done so during last summer getting the promotion into the conference south knowing the fact that the ground would have to be improved in that time perhaps during the summer the the, the board and the chairman might have thought about well perhaps we ought to think about extending this and um but you know we don't know if they have or they haven't it looks like they might not have done I think the thing to me is, though, that they shouldn't really... That's not what the Football Foundation, in my mind, the Football Foundation cash should be spent on. Um, semi-professional football clubs who can't afford to run their own club at such a high level of non-league. Cause you're only, we're only looking at two divisions down from the actual football league. So they should be able to finance themselves and find enough support in the local um, area that they don't need charity handouts when, to me, the charity should be helping things like the Bracknell Town under eights and stuff like that. That's who this money should be going into, the proper grassroots from the kids who aren't much bigger than those grassroots. And, And that's... It's it smacks a bit to me when it goes to a a club at say even even Southern League level um, that they're getting big big cash from the Football Foundation. When I'm thinking, yeah, maybe it's not the necessary the, the best place to spend this money. I mean, it's understandable. In, I mean, it's understandable in some respects the fact that if you look at the competition pool town have got to gain supporters and try and raise the finance when you've got you've got a big premiership club just up the road and I mean just up the road and so you know I I can understand that they're always going to struggle for fans and always going to struggle for money but personally I would have hoped they would have had a little bit more advanced planning than this you know if you know knowing that the end of last season the fact that look we've got promotion you know we're going to go up into the you know into the second tier of you know, non-league football, and we need to work on the ground. Well, you know, could have started something during the summer and cracked on with things during the summer with what money you had. You could have started the fundraising, do a you know, do a, a crowdfunding appeal, and do all of those things. Start the appeals off then during the summer. In some respects, I agree with you, James. It shouldn't have been left till January. It should have been started in July. Yeah, but you know. 
it seems like they've it's only just now come to hit them in the face the fact that perhaps we might have we should have really gone on about it a bit earlier yeah and i mean they, just looking at last season's league table they won the southern the southern prem by uh, by nine points so they would have known quite early on that they were yeah. going to be going up so there was oh yeah they, they could I mean, I'm, I suppose the the problem was they thought they, pro- they, they might struggle, I guess, at, mm. at this level and go down anyway. Um, but if they failed ground grading and finished in the bottom in the relegation zone, would they go down two divisions? Or no, no, I'm not sure. Sh- no, so don't, don't, I suppose don't that, think... I suppose that's the only the only um, sort of mitigating circumstance for them not starting too early. But yeah, I mean, I just I just find it a little a little odd that. You wait till you've got two months to get it sorted before, you, and it's not—it is not a small amount of money that they've got to find. You know, it's—it's—it's it's, um, it's, it's a sizable, sizable wedge. Um, as you say, you said about Charlie Austin there donating his mm. uh, his box for them to auction off or whatever they want to do, and or mm. I think what they're going to—I think they're going to actually use it to um, uh, to, to sort of like take take potential investors either to sort of like wine and dine them for a game. Mm. I mean, it's a, it's a gesture, but I don't really see it generating anything. Really, I mean, if if they were going to generate the uh, the investment, surely the fact that they're doing well in the league would have would have attracted that mm. more than a box at Bournemouth would. Mm. Just, uh, you know, I mean, I mean, good luck to them because I mean, it, you know, you want to see clubs going up the league season after season. You know, you want you want that Wimbledon story from you know where you rise through the ranks uh, season mm. after season. But you know, you've as you said, you you know you, you put your money in the playing side, or do you put it in the ground? So the, mm. obviously, the double-edged sword there is you can't have one without the other. Yeah, you know. I have to admit, give uh, as far as I see it, investing in the infrastructure is never money wasted. Um, you know, if you do it now, at least then you've got it for the future. You know, even if you even if you don't need it this season, next season, or the season after, if you've got the foundations in place, if you've got you know a, a good start on the infrastructure, the ground, then it'll it'll pay dividends in the future. Um, you know, and that's where I think that there's some that are a bit um, I don't know, not short-sighted, but you know, you can you can you can never improve a ground too much, and you know. Mm, I know it's always been an ongoing thing with Pool Town. They've always been trying to develop the ground, but you know, I think they've reached the point now is where they just have to accept possibly you know, this might just be a step too far. And um, if it turns out that they can't make the ground grading by March 31st, what happens in the last month of the season? Do the players bother? Yeah, yeah so I think, so knowing that the fact they're going to go back to the Southern League and they've got a month, you could be mid, they could be mid-table still, knowing that they're well, going to go down. The third at the minute. Yeah. But you know, that won't last forever. I mean yeah. it's gotta be really it's gotta be really gutting for the players mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean you, as it draws near and you know, e- even before you know, as you go into March, mm-hmm. if that if that money's not in place, it's gonna start playing on the minds of the players and you know that quite frankly where they are on merit. Mm. And could, you know, and they could be demoted through through no fault of their own. You know, nothing to do with on the pitch, and yeah. no. you know, it's 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 sad, really. But I was um, just thinking of uh, of Bracknell Town. Actually, they um, they're top of the top of the Hellenic League. They're looking. I mean, they're only a point clear, but they're they're up there. They've they've applied for the promotion. They've yeah. re- redeveloping their entire ground. They've put in the three G oh, yes. pitch now. Yeah, because um, we play on it now. Our under eights team play on it and train on yeah. it now. Um, and but but when it's finished, they, they, it will be the, it will be of a standard like two levels higher than what they need it to be. You know, mm. I always, I always think if I was ever in the fortunate position where I could be the chairman of a of a club of a non league club, I'd always try and aim to have the ground uh, rated yeah. above where we needed it to be. So you could always mm. go up. You know, and yeah. I know it's not always possible. You know, because unless you Build the stadium from scratch. It's going to be really tough to get a lot of. I mean, you'll have seen the. Uh, you'll have seen a lot, Rob, on your travels with Hampton, and the, mm. a lot. There's, a lot of stadiums need a lot of work. Um, mm. But you yeah. know, it's as you say, it's never money wasted. It's an investment into the club. 
Yeah. Again, as you say, we've only got eight years left on the ground. I mean, you know, it's what happens in eight years' time. Well, this is it. A lot of it will depend on whether the landlords actually want them to want to renegotiate the lease for a longer period. If they don't, and Pool have already been given notice that this might be the case, yeah, it does raise a really, you know, a really serious problem for the club, knowing the fact that they've got ambitions, and yet because of the location, they can't really entertain them. I know they have thoughts about going back to the Pool Stadium and trying to get back there. But, you know, given as that, I think at the moment still hosts Speedway meetings. I'm not entirely sure that's going to be a great ground to play on if they did. <laughs> so <laughs> they've got a problem at pool, that is for sure. But, you know, with a bit of luck, they'll find a solution and get a clear way through it. Hopefully they, they will. Um, just speaking of a ground that's many um, divisions above where the team plays... Hereford have played 27 games and have got 72 points. Are 15 points clear at the top of the uh, South, the Southern League, Southwest. Uh, sorry, Division One Southwest. So, yeah, that's a, a bit of a mountain to climb for Evesham Tiverton, who are the on. But yeah, uh, uh, yeah that's um, well, they've done drawn three and lost one and won every other game. <laughs> and they only lost the one this Saturday, it was their first yeah. loss to Taunt. Oh, wow, Ooh. Edgar Street. Ooh, yeah, that's uh, yeah, I mean, not, not sure what was going on there, but as to why, but yeah, well, to be fair, 2917. Taunt and have uh beaten Hampton already this season, haven't they, Rob? If I um, remember rightly. Didn't Taunton beat Hampton? Don't start, James, please. <laughs> we don't talk cup, we don't talk cup competitions down, down Hampton where these days. All right, OK. Not until next season, anyway. Not until next season. I mean, when you get knocked up of the two Premier Cup competitions in your season by teams two steps below you, no, you don't really want to talk about it either. <laughs> But it it just it just slips in nicely with the uh, the next story that we've got, where Salisbury. Uh, I I think this is I think this is wrong by the referee. Myself, uh, the referee has apologised to Salisbury um, as they were defeated by North Lee because he admitted he's made a mistake and, and he apologised and got it wrong. Uh, that Salisbury's two-one home loss to. Um, Northley, which was actually not last Saturday, because uh, we're recording this a week later. So, what was that? I can't remember what day it is. I see this, this trouble is travelling around as much as this. I forget what day it is. <laughs> it was, that was that'll be the seventh, because obviously it's hard to take away seven from fourteen. Um, <laughs> and he said he acknowledges that a free kick should have been awarded and he shouldn't have missed such a blatant foul. I think he's wrong. And he should not say that he and make an apology for making a mistake. Well, he is the referee. He is only human. He will make the mistakes. And it is not up for him to apologise to a club, even though it's Steve Claridge, well-respected, well-known in the game. It's tough. These things happen. Yeah. Um it does set a, um, a precedent, doesn't it? Um, but also, he's, he's emailed the club. The referee has email, emailed the club to apologise. So, why have the club made it public? Just, you know, you just... Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Just accept it and and it, it's a good thing for him to do, but he probably never meant for it to come out into the public domain. I don't I think, think it's a good thing he was done. I think he should have just said, I made my decision and I'll stick by it. Even if it was wrong, he has to stick by it. Because now what he's done, and this is the this is the thing, reading the Steve Claridge bit at the bottom of this article on the Salisbury Journal, uh, it's good of him to admit it was wrong and we appreciate the apology, but it doesn't change the fact that it was not the first time he's refereed a game in which he made a poor decision and the result has cost us. Effectively, that is now bullying him to give decisions the way that Steve Claridge and Salisbury want them to go. Mm. The fact that the team isn't good enough to perform and this one decision should not cost them the whole of the match. It's a 90-minute game. 
or that's just me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it won't be the only decision he, he gets wrong. So, it, I, yeah, I agree there. You know, you definitely calm. Mm. We, we all want referees to come out and, it, you know, and be more accountable and everything, but... Yeah, I don't know. Now that someone's done it, I'm not. I'm not sure it was a good thing in the end. Really. I mean, I mean personally, and I've seen, you know, I've seen some, uh, one or two shockers over the over the festive season. In fact, uh, one referee we had, it was actually the Hemel Hempston game. Hemel Hempston game actually managed to send Hampton player off, and nobody even knew why the decision had been made. We knew there was something the matter, though, when the referee's assessor at the game, because there's an assessor at every game at this level, um, was in the referee's dressing room for 45 minutes after the final whistle. He was Couldn't not there. The well, I know it wasn't to go and wish them a happy new year. And, as, and subsequently, on appeal, the red card was rescinded. But if the referee in question at Salisbury had just said it verbally to Claridge or the chairman or something like that just said it verbally just said you know hold my hands up wasn't the best decision I've ever made and left you know and just left it at that no problem but for him to email something that basically provides evidence of him actually saying it he has made a rod for his own back if he just says it verbally it would have been a case of his words you know against somebody else's words and who's to know which was right is this, this is and that's the thing to me, what you just said there, Rob. That's the thing. If you'd done it verbally and mm. it wasn't then publicised, like you said, James, mm. it's the thing because the, we know the referees, and this is what part of the reason we like the non-league game is that the referees will go out there, they'll watch everybody, they'll do everything they can, and then they'll come back and they'll go in the bar and have a pint, have a bit of food with everybody and laugh and a joke about what's gone on. And it's all, yep, done, dusted, and moved on. Yeah. Now, this referee, a precedent where, actually, no, I'm sorry, you're a big club and I've made a mistake. Well, mm. no, you haven't made a mistake. You called it like you saw it at that moment. That's all we ever asked mm. you to do. Enforce the rules as you see it at the time that's going on. Mm. As soon as you start saying things after the game people are going to start questioning your decisions all the time and you'll get the Jose Mourinho I'm going to scream at the referee because he's got to be wrong no matter what he's done <laughs> or you've got the situation you get in the Premier League where you get managers sent to the stands because they're just constantly barracking the referee and mm. well he's making a rod for his own back and not more importantly he's making a rod for anybody else then who's actually going to referee a Salisbury game because one of the comments on this article um, on the newspaper is, well, maybe Salisbury should look at their basic goalkeeping error rather than blaming the ref for this decision that happened half an hour later. <laughs> it's it's mm. the... Uh, There's an element of truth in that. Yeah. I mean, it's... You know, and I mean, it's always going to be a case of now whenever ref, you know referee goes to Salisbury and makes a decision, they're going to turn around and somebody's going to turn around and say... What's it, referee? Aren't you man enough to make admit you make a mistake? And think of the trouble that could cause. Think of the, you know, think of how that that'll go around. You know, he, uh, in some respects, Chris, and I think you're right. He just said, "Look, that's the decision I made. That's how I saw it. I'm sorry if it's so. If it's, a, you know, if you didn't think it was the right one, but you know, to come out and feed admit you made a mistake. I'm just wondering if his, you know, because they will all have be supervised in one form or another. At, to the referees association um, I'm wondering how that will go down at the next branch meeting the fact that you've stood up and actually made an apology in writing as every, in, you know, with evidence to say that you actually you know, you actually sent the email that's not going to go down that well with his colleagues I'm sure it's well, not well, okay. that's sorry go on Christian sorry uh, all he should have said is yeah I made a mistake hmm not apologise for it, mm. and that's the thing. Apologising to somebody makes it look like you've done something you've done wrong to them, and it's one of the things. Salisbury, like Hereford, because we're, we're talking about here about the uh, Southern League, the uh, Southern Premier, no, no, Southern Division One and uh, West, Southwest. Mm. So 
we're talking about quite far down the pyramid and you've got a team like Hereford who like, we had nearly 3,000 fans there at the weekend and then you've got Salisbury who are another big club in that area um, the bigger than where they are it's one of those things don't like to say that because you, you're where you are for a reason but the bigger than where they are and, and that's the issue that if this had been let's look at let's look down at Bishop's Cleave who were suffering last year or let's say his home to his from where he hails from if if it had been a club like that slightly smaller would he would the apology would the apology have come and all this sort of thing now is it maybe maybe it's something that happens relatively frequently at the lower levels that you do get referees emailing in apologies for making bad decisions in the games of refereed but the clubs are let's say discreet enough to treat that as a okay thanks very much and not suddenly send off to the local paper to say look we were robbed it's their fault fo- it's his fault mm. yeah I've made, you know, I completely agree with that Kristen sometimes it's you know you know the referee thinks he's doing the he's doing the you know the he's standing up and you know manfully admitting that he's made an error to the club, but the problem is, yeah, sometimes it can create more harm than what it actually solves. And Heathrow thought that you know sitting afterwards, you know, I shouldn't have given that, and to actually put it down in writing, it means you know he's going to be creating questions and doubt wherever he goes so you know I think there's something in what you said about it being the size of the club you know I suspect a lot of clubs have you know have you know met the referee in the boardroom having the food after the game and you know there's been a discussion and occasionally the you know referee will admit that yeah, yeah that probably wasn't the best decision I've ever made and as you said, they will just everybody will just say, right, fair enough, line drawn underneath it, done and dusted. And so in in, in some respects, Salisbury have not done themselves any favours. Because it just goes to show now that if anybody like an official emails the club again with anything that may be slightly newsworthy, there's always the danger that the that the club will go running off to the press and waving it in the air like a yeah, you know, like a flag. And, you know, it could create more harm because then there won't necessarily be as much communication between the officials and the clubs and the leagues as a whole. You know, if you, if you make a mistake, yes, and you think it would do good to, you know, to, to basically own up to it, don't put it in writing. Just go, just go up to the manager, go up to the chairman and, and do it verbally. And then walk away. And then if anybody says anything, you can say, well, oh, I'm not going to come in on a conversation between myself and the chairman. And then that way, nobody knows for certain one way or the other what was said and what wasn't said. Um, it's I don't think it'll do the game any good. Referees have to be accountable, this is true. But I think when they come to do something like this and you know, almost you know, fall on their own sword, so to speak, isn't going to help in the long run, despite what the referee may have thought. But it's like you said, Rob, earlier on, they're accountable to the assessors and the, and the referees association and the FA. By, by extension, they're accountable to the clubs, but ostensibly mm. they're accountable to the FA and the referees association. And that's what it needs to remain at because it's bad enough. I, I do it myself when I go there. Obviously, I'm standing on the sideline. I can referee that game 100% better than that person out in the middle can. Do not ever put me in that person in the middle because I know I can't. Mm. As soon as I walk off, as soon as I walk away from the stand, yeah, I know that I could not do what that person is doing. And even at the Southern League, even at Sunday League level, I wouldn't want the pressure of. Well, actually, no, I just don't want to deal with that. Mm. And so, kudos to kudos to the people who do want to deal with that and make the game work. Because without them the game doesn't work and so that's the thing that's what we're trying not to we do have a we do criticize referees we also do try and protect them a bit because we realize that they are going to make a mistake now and again Mm. 
uh, as to what it is. Now, something just before, just before we, you, we came on on full on air, James, we were talking about the fact that Alti were looking like they're going to do the dreaded double drop. I don't know if you've seen the table in the uh, nor, uh, conference, sorry, what they call it now, Vanarama National League North. Mm. Is they're going to be doing a good, they're eight points. Ouch, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, I can't see how it's it's going to work. And just looking there, the, since the, over the last ten years, uh, in the two thousand and five stroke six season, they finished bottom of the conference after receiving an eighteen point deduction. Um, <laughs> but they were reprieved when Canvey Island resigned from the league and Scarborough were demoted. Um, <laughs> the following season, they finished in the relegation zone again, were reprieved when Boston were double demoted. And a third successive, third successive reprieve in 2008, 2000, uh, 2007, 2008, when Halifax um, went into liquidation. So that's three years in a row <laughs> that mm. they survived because other clubs had um, issues gone and be, were demoted or resigned, had problems, yes. Mm. Um, but then they were mid-table, mid-table, uh, mid-table. <laughs> and... They then um, had a couple of seasons where they were quite up there. And, and this one now, it, it just seems that they're really going to be going down. I can't see – I don't know whether either of you two know of a club that's come back from that sort of de- deficit at this mm-hmm. time of the season. That's a hell of a run they've got to go on. No, it's, it's too much. Yeah. It's not, you know, I mean, they've got a game in hand on most teams around them, but, mm-hmm. yeah, you've – one win out of the opening 24 really can't see them winning 10 out of the next uh, what they've got 18 left it's, no. just, it's just not going to happen is it it's, just, it's not going to happen I mean 10 wins out of 18 is playoff form <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry but and I mean that, that would and that would only put them on 38 points which you know probably would be enough to keep up but mm, I'm not sure I'm not sure 38 would be enough possibly you know, not possibly not but you know, I still, I still don't, I still think you know, it's not going to happen, Faulty. Sad to say, but nah. nah, there's not many teams in any division in any standard of football that you've seen them be so far adrift in the middle of January and save themselves from relegation. It doesn't happen. Sorry. No, I think it's going to be one of the ones where if they do, it will be scraping on goal difference last game of the season sort of time. Um, needless to say, they are bottom of the um, bottom of the form guide. Mm. Uh, and needless to say that Fylde are top of the form guide <laughs> with, with their uh, 9-2 victory, by the way, a few that's mm. a few weeks ago over Boston. So, there's some crazy scores just last week. Just going, I don't know whether you, don't know whether you saw the Halifax. Uh, I'm just looking at the weekend. I, I was just going to mention it because what result that is for Halifax when he's six two at, at playoff chase in Tamworth. I'm, mm-hmm. I mean, Halifax obviously they're my pick for the National North, but because <laughs> well, they they had three players score two two goals each: Richard Pennick, mm. Adam Morgan, and Matty Cosilo. So yeah, wow, and and it was away as well. It was at but Tamworth. Yeah, would be team of the week. But then they won last Tuesday. No, 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 no. Um, They won last Tuesday against Chorley, so which is another playoff contender. Yeah. Um, But then, if you see the Saturday beforehand, obviously must have been such a bad hangover they lost to a relegation candidate. (laughs) (laughs) It's just that sort of league, I think. (laughs) I think it is. Apart from Alty and Stirling Bridge, it's. uh, Everything's up for grabs, really. And filed. You've got, you've got those. Filed, you've got filed yeah, yeah. or Daily Bridge. They're just, well, okay, they're in their own little league. Um, yeah, they, they, but they're everybody going out else is so division. tight. Yeah. It, it's, uh, I mean, six points separating second to uh, to Halifax and eighth. Is, yeah, that's uh, going to be a, a really, really fascinating running in the north, that's for sure. That's going to be a proper dogfight, is that? It's going to be a case yeah. of, you know... You're not going to be able to rely on anybody but yourself, and you will just happen to drop. Say, like you have two games, you just get four points out of six. You'd be in danger of actually, of actually taking a step back 
such is the cutthroat nature of the of, of the of the top eight. Yeah, and you look and well, I'm looking at the other way. You know, you're looking at at one from six or seven to join Staley and Alt is going down. Mm. Uh, apologies, Staley fans, but you know you have 12 points adrift. So again, it's um, it looks like it'll be too much to to claw back. Um, mm. Yeah, it's, uh, there's there's not many teams there that are looking at mid-table mediocrity at the minute. There's you know if, if a couple of couple of teams, as you say, Rob, if a couple of teams lose a couple of games, then they'll they'll mm. plummet. And but the flip side, of course, is if you if you can put two or three wins together, you can be oh, yeah. right back up there. Mm. I think the the only team for me who's probably looking at mid-table mediocrity is Harrogate. And they've announced that as from the 2017 stroke 2018 season, they will be going full time. Wow. I could exactly. That's my sort of thing as well. How can a club in the National North be going full time? It's crazy. It's almost as well. I think it was Basingstoke, wasn't it? Was it Basingstoke that we tried to do it in the, in the Ryman? And there's a story I've just been reminded of. Talking of the environment, to completely change the subject, um, Ryman Group companies are actually not going to renew the sponsorship of the of of the league um, as from the end of the season. Oh wow! Oh no! So, I think Evo Stick should sweep in, and then we could get really confused by it all. <laughs> <laughs> Which yeah, Evo Stick league are we? <laughs> yeah, exactly. What Evo would you call Stick it? London. Well, yeah, in essence, it probably would be. But you've, you've, you've got, I mean, you've got the, you've got the original Evil Stick. They've got the Evil Stick Southern. So, what would you have? The Evil Stick Southeast. Who knows? Yeah, but the Southeast yeah, won't know. be too, too far away from where it is. Uh, no, from what I mean, it's, it is. I mean, it would be a fair enough classification, considering that that league goes all the way from. Out into the depths of Suffolk, all the way out as far as Bognor Regis and the Isle of Wight and Guernsey. So because he could get away with calling it the, the Evil Stick Southeast, but you know it would just be a case of you know. But I mean, Environment Group have been sponsors of the of the old Ithmian League for well, over twenty years now. now. If that's not been a successful sponsorship deal at any level, I don't know what has been. You know, it's a good, the only downside is seeing the likes of Theopophytus at the end of season league annual dinner. Yeah, <laughs> it's only a little guy. He's not very big, believe you me. He's not. But you know, I mean, it's just a story that popped out of the back of my head there that I remember reading. But um, you know, how can a club like I think it was like, I think it was Basingstoke decide to go full time at that level of football? It can't I think, work. Yeah, I think you're right. Oh, it can if you've got somebody who wants to lose a lot of money by pay, giving mm. to you footballers. I mean, there's the age-old saying in football, how do you make a small fortune? Start with a big one. And it's pretty true. <laughs> so, you know, I don't think that's a good call for having it. I really don't think it's a good call. But uh, moving on slightly, there are two and finalists, really. I'm going to start with the one which is uh, not as good as the one that James is putting the run down. This is one that I think it was you, Rob, that uh, sent a few weeks ago. And I was speaking to somebody about it last week, and he said, You what? That's crazy. You'll have to imagine. Darlington Boss missed, well, Darlington Boss missed the opening, uh, the New Year's oh, Day. Oh, that one, yeah. <laughs> because he was getting married. Ah. Which. I'm reading the article. He's once again. We mentioned just wrap it back to Paul Town at the start. Our first question. He didn't think that they were going to be where they are as a club uh, within the two years when he started planning his wedding, and so there were apologies given. Now, just because it makes it look like I actually know what I'm doing, they played Halifax on the opening day. Uh, on sorry, not the opening day. On the opening day of the new year. And they did actually ask Halifax if they would rearrange the fixture because uh, the mm. Keta, the not the, Keta, the assistant manager uh, Brian Atkinson also wasn't there because Martin Gray had him down as his best man. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! Halifax said, "With all due respect, 
no, <laughs> we're not moving which, which, it. Which they're entitled. So uh, exactly. Oh, completely. Yeah, it was. It was no legitimate footballing reason or safety reason why you could not play that game. Yeah. Um, so yes uh, I, th- I found that amusing and I, th- I thought that was uh, he gave his team talk on the Monday on the Monday morning uh, on the Sunday morning before heading off to church I'm still trying to work out why on earth somebody would want to have a wedding on New Year's Day oh I don't, I don't know no I don't get that one either I mean to me that's the I mean why would you want to get married on New Year's Day I mean, I've heard of people getting married on New Year's Eve all the same, but New Year's Day? Ah, bad planning there, boss. Bad planning. Yeah, guaranteed a bank holiday. True. True, but, you know, people can... Well, he works in football, so he's not even, he's not guaranteed a day off. Mm, true, true. Although I, know some, although I know some, you know, some leagues didn't play on the first, some played on the second. So, you know, but it's... Mm, yeah. Obviously, obviously, couldn't persuade his wife to go and change it, man. Then, but uh, you know, well, I think probably it was too far. Planning for over-the-top weddings. Not saying his was over the top, but mm. I just find that most weddings are over the top. True. Um, True. Planning for those, uh, I think he uh, he realised that because, like you're saying, some leagues, um, like the Evo Stick, as you were on the second. Mm. And so, if they'd still been in the Evo stick, it wouldn't have been an issue. No. Uh, although, just seem from the honeymoon point of view, it's a bit awkward doing it mid-season. Mm. But I find that I find that amusing. Um, but James, I know you have one which is more interesting and probably one for a pub quiz. Yeah. Um, I mean, most people listening will have no doubt heard about it. Um, but it's uh, it, it's so good that. It's, it was worth bringing up, even though it happened four weeks ago now. Um, it's George, George Gaskin. Oh, Christmas wasn't four weeks ago, was it? Oh, uh, <laughs> three weeks ago, maybe. Um, yeah, George Gaskin. He had a, a boxing day to remember because oh, yes. he, uh, he scored a hat trick for um, Littlehampton Town on Boxing Day morning before he driving did. thirty miles to play for Horsham where he came on with 15 minutes to go and scored another hat-trick. So he um, has become the first player ever to score two hat-tricks on the same day for two different teams, which is one heck of an achievement, you have to admit. Um, Mm. He actually plays plays for three teams. Um, Because he also plays for Shoreham, which is quite an achievement in its own right, to be fair. Um, He's... Yeah. He's an engineer by trade, um, but yeah, he's. Uh, I don't know how he fits in three football clubs around a, a job as well. He's close to. He's got twenty-one goals so far for Shoreham this season, nine for Littlehampton, and uh, and those three for Horsham. Um, this is when this article was written, um, hmm. which was when was this? Uh, this was uh, on the 29th of December. Uh, 29th of December. Yeah, I don't know, I don't know how, uh, how many goals he's got for those clubs since, but what an achievement. Um, mm. you know, to, be, to be able to, to, well, to play two games in, I know you only played 15 minutes of one, but... I'll tell you something, I'll tell you something though, James, on that kind of performance, I don't think he'll be playing for Littlehampton and Shoreham for much longer because, uh, you know... So, well, it, it does touch on that in the article. I mean, he does say he's 26, so he, he, he reckons his time's probably gone. But you uh, could maybe fancy a, a you know a national south, maybe. Yeah, I, I mean, I've just I'm, been having a quick little nosy at him. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Horsham in the um, Diamond League South. You know, he's definitely. But sounds of it, some there would be a club in the Diamond Premier that would actually think he's perhaps, perhaps. What, what division are Shoreham? Well, I think there might be one of the county leagues. Might be in the Sussex yeah, County League. Possibly. Um, it might be the Sussex County League. Um, Littlehampton. I really couldn't tell you. I'll be honest. That's a bit below even what I could have probably found out. But um, you know, yeah, okay, twenty-six. Yeah, possibly. But you know, he could still have a decent career at you know Diamond Premier level if he really wanted it. By the sounds of it, if you can do that, um, come on. I definitely think you, you know. could go a little bit higher for sure. Yeah. 
I mean, if it's no, been the way... he's playing for three for three clubs, so he's getting, he's getting three wages from them. So, mm. I mean, well, if, if it's been the... from, what, from what it looks like, sorry, sorry, Rob. Just to just be fair to him, he he's helping out a little Hampton because it's a favour for his mate, mm. who yeah, happens to be enough. the manager there. Mm. I mean, if it's been the other way, yeah. If if it's been the other way around, and he was a Horsham player, and he'd come on for fifteen minutes for for Shoreham, then you could understand a fifteen minute hat trick. Fair enough. But when he stepped up a level, come on with fifteen minutes to go, <laughs> and still got a hat trick at the higher level in the shorter period of time. Yeah, I think. I, mean, I think that, that, that was in an eight-one win, so that, that yeah. probably wasn't a great, uh, great opportunity. No, possibly not. Possibly not. But it was—it's still a performance, though. You know, it's a case of not many players will do that. And for him to go, you know, to step up, having played a game in the morning, go and play another one in the afternoon, fifteen minutes, three goals. You know, not many players in the space of two hours, less than two hours football will score six goals. Uh, while we're speaking of strikers, just before we finish, do you want a little Ashley Flynn update? You know, the AFC Emily striker who uh, who got 70 goals last it, season. Yeah, he slacked off after you tipped him. Yeah, James, he's kiss of death. He's picked it back up again now. He's now played 35 games and scored 43 goals so far this season. <laughs> he definitely knows where the goal is then. <laughs> which is not bad going. Um, no. Definitely, he's definitely on course to uh, to hit that seventy mark again. I would say they're five points clear at the top of the league as well, Emily. Surprisingly, they're, they're, they're doing all right. They've scored ninety-two goals in twenty-nine games. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so just just to try and just try and wrap this up. As far as I can tell, the Shoreham FC, I think, are in the Southern Combination Football League. Mm, yeah. That, so that is definitely that's a step so, below, that's a step below that's a step below the environment which I think it's, and then, it used to be a county league I think Littlehampton are in the Sussex County League that's the one yeah I think that I think yeah. the Southern combination is a step between the county league and the likes of the environment and the Southern I think it's in there yeah I, I, I will admit it gets completely confusing mm. with all of those when it gets to that level so yeah well I Hmm, interesting. According to Wikipedia, they're both. Now, I, I can't see how he can get away with that. According to Wikipedia, they're both actually in the Sussex County Football League Division 1. And I can't see how he would be allowed to play for the, both the teams. Mm. Uh, yeah, that's a good one. Unless... Because mm. I know we could play for Horsham because Horsham are in a completely different... Doing a uh, registration level. yeah 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 mode so I can see that but I can't see how you would be allowed to unless he's because he doesn't say he's transferred for the between the two but if he's still or, if, he's, he, or if you're getting weeks where he's playing for one club one week and one club the other that would really mess it up um, I don't know it's a good one though I'm sure one of the listeners will tell us because we've got a very very intelligent bunch out there <laughs> yeah, it's still it's still an absolutely crazy uh, thing that happened. Oh, cool! Um, I've just sorry, I've just clicked on a a, a little link uh, that was on the bottom of that article from the eighth uh, of December, where Morpeth Town and oh look, Newton Aycliffe. Hmm, interesting. Now, Newton Aycliffe are in trouble or, or in the centre of controversy again. Bear in mind, they're spending more. The start of spending more, uh, the pre-season game where spending more walked off at half-time and said, oh, we're yes. not coming back out. I don't know whether if you... I'll, I'll put it in the rundown just so you two can have a quick look at it. But this is a brawl going on at between the players of Newton Aycliffe and Morpeth, where they appear to have stormed the Morpeth dressing room. I can't work out which, who's who, but <laughs> this is just... Mm. Maybe there are some problems at Newton Aycliffe. It's starting to give that impression, isn't it? Yeah. The fact that Spinning will walk off because Newton Aycliffe are a bit too physical for a pre-season game. 
and then this in this incident which appears to be you know involved Newton Aircliffe and Morpeth and yeah, you know, hmm. Newton Aircliffe might have to think about having to look at the players they're registering. It's either that or the manager's discipline is absolutely gone through the floor, uh, and he can't. Well, the manager it. has been. The manager was sacked afterwards, and a number of players have been let go by the club. Well, there you go. Then I think that says it says quite a bit. In the fact that the club have basically said, "You're not welcome here. We don't like what you. We don't like what you've done." Off you go. It's a tricky one, that. Speaking of yeah, speaking yeah. of Morpeth, you've just reminded me. Um, have you? Uh, did you hear about their FA bars? Obviously, they're the holders. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They they had a they had their fourth round match at South Shields. I don't know if you've heard about this, right? They they were playing the fourth round at South Shields. They were winning four two with six minutes to go. And the floodlights failed, so the match got abandoned. So they and they were. It was deemed that it would have to be replayed. Mm. Mm. Can you guess what happened in the replay? In the rematch, they lost five nil. I don't know. It was so well. You won out. They lost four nil. Oof. Ooh. <laughs> but unfortunately, those are the Ooh, rules. Yeah. Those are the rules. I know. That How sickening is that? Yeah. It just goes to show. You know, you've got to. You know, if, you've got done to show if you're losing a home match, just pull the plug out and you'll be all right. Get <laughs> yeah, the only problem is that is if it's from well, this, this must have had. I wonder whether this was before or after. So this was an FA Vars tie. So this one must have been before it, if they've been knocked out. This on the eighth of December. Yeah, this this was this month. Um, it was mm. uh, January the eleventh on uh, the match report. So. Last week, yeah. last Wednesday. So last yeah. last week, yeah. That, that's you're right there. That is a something. Sometimes it doesn't always work though. If it's far enough into the game, the referee is allowed to turn around and say, "No, we're called six minutes left." We cannot. They can actually rule to say, "No, you don't need to play the rest of that six minutes." Mm. Yeah, well, there but, was a few years ago. There was one in in Spain with Real Madrid. Um, their game got abandoned with 14 minutes to go, I think, and. It was against someone like Sevilla, so it wasn't a team that was close to Madrid. And they, they had to just replay the last... Well, not replay. They had to just meet up again and um, and play the last 14 minutes. <laughs> that's, that's, that's madness. It was, that's Spain for you, though. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's... Uh, it's, uh, it's rotten on Morpeth, but... Yeah, that's the way the game is, unfortunately. Anyway, that entirely went on a while, didn't it? It just got saw something. I just clicked on it and then suddenly thought, oh, it's more. It's uh, Newton Aycliffe and just ties it back to the start of the season that maybe Spennymore were right when they said, no, they're, they're not taking this. They're, they're, they're trying to break us. They're not trying to play. They're not trying to better themselves and show how good they are. They're going in with some of the tackles. So mm. it is uh, interesting. But uh, it's been great having a podcast. We've not had one for a few weeks. Uh, if that was three weeks ago, it must be four or five weeks since we've actually had one because um, mm. Christmas and holidays have got in the way. But we are back. And uh, Rob, a couple of rants. Uh, sorry, your couple of blog posts um, <laughs> about your blog at all. And other things. Uh, where can we see these blog posts that you've been putting on? Right, yeah. Um, if you just go and put into that wonderful tool called Google Football as I see it, or one word, um, it should pick it up and you'll be able to see them there you know, for everybody to read. They've even been, they've even been, if one of them's even appeared in print, um, thanks to our good friends at North Ferriby. And um, there's that as well as the usual facebook pages uh, one for the podcasts and um, not forgetting the still mysteriously titled twitter feed at rabid robo it's all there and find him and read about uh, what rob thinks about mike Phelan and or more importantly what he thinks about the chairman that's <laughs> probably the best way of putting it james it's been great having you back on we've not had not spoken to you for a few weeks um the pesky uh, the, these pesky kids uh, and 
obviously work and holidays and family and why dare you have a life outside this podcast what, what, <laughs> what do you do in your life outside this podcast where can we see and read about what you're doing uh, nowhere at the minute <laughs> <laughs> you're not supposed to say that you're supposed to say you can go across to underleague.com and I've got a new article coming out at some point uh, in the well, summer yeah, you, can, you can go after underleague.com that's right if you want to read a lot of old stuff um, yeah um, <laughs> <laughs> that's no point lying is I mean I haven't, I haven't been able to, to get anything written for a long long time now um, but yeah underleague.com still there there's still loads of good articles from um, from the people that, that have written for me in the past um, and Twitter and Facebook is under the league um, and you never know at some point this season I might actually get to a game that isn't um, <laughs> isn't being played by kids at uh, seven and eight years of age but uh, mm-hmm. yeah we'll uh, we'll just uh, we'll see what see what happens this year new year's resolutions and all that <laughs> but, that, but that's the thing it's it's a lot of people uh, i know around trinity uh, it's a lot of things and one of our directors who's been a stalwart through the last six or seven seasons with the transition and the problems we've had at Trinity with the, the changes he's been really devoting all his time but now his lad is the same age as yours and he said I can't go to a game and I can't Trinity because my lad's more important and he's playing on a Saturday morning I've got to go and watch him. I've got to go and help him and support him and do everything I possibly can for him. Mm. And because at the end, end of the day, really, football is just a game. Depending on how you look at it, multi-millionaires who are kicking a band of wind around uh, at the behest of billionaires uh, down to our level where you've got some honest lads just out for a kickabout and find a bonus so they actually get paid to go out there and have a have a bit of fun but so uh, whatever you do you can always catch up with the podcast at nonleaguepodcast.co.uk you can go back and listen to any of our episodes that are on there as rob's already said you can go over to facebook.com slash the non-league podcast and you can uh, go and like it and stuff and see what everything's happening but uh, really whatever you've been doing i thank you for listening <laughs>